clubhouse. Attention all passengers. The temperature outside is minus 119 degrees Celsius. We are six years, nine months, and 26 days from departure. For your personal safety, be prepared to brace. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of TNT Snowpiercer. This is for the eighth episode of the third season, aptly called Setting Itself Right after that disaster of a dream episode in number seven. Uh, at least that seemed to be the <laughs> the consensus amongst people online. There was not a lot of love for Andre's dream sequence. Um, hmm. With me, as usual, hmming along in the back there, there's Inez. How you doing this week or this day? I- <laughs> Inez. I'm doing really well. And again with me, uh, since the very beginning, I have my friend Kat. How are we doing hey. over in Austin, Kat? Doing good. Doing good. Can't complain. Getting ready for the big South by, huh? Yes. You guys can't see me, but I am slowly dying inside being overwhelmed with everything. (laughs) 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 And trying to keep it together. So at least this next hour of talking about Snowpiercer will be like an escape from having to answer all these emails I've been avoiding for the last two weeks for South by Planning. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, then let's not waste your time so that you can get right back to dying inside. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Paul. Thanks for being considerate. (laughs) Setting itself right. You guys did notice online that nobody seemed to love the dream episode, right? Yeah. I thought that was interesting, but I'm not surprised. I kind of felt iffy about it at first, but, you know, I pivoted. Yeah, yeah, we have a lack of pivot in the uh <laughs> in pivot, the, pivot! right. <laughs> Nobody took Ross's words to heart, I guess. <laughs> I wonder also cuz you guys uh posted that in our group chat and I was surprised cuz I don't keep up with the conversation as much, but we are talking about this episode where like we're in no matter what. So we're going on this um you know, we're on the train, you know, regardless like we we're not going to opt out. Um <laughs> so it's curious that like the general audience did not like that but i wonder if they're like avid tv watchers or they're not because like shows tend if they get to do it like you know they're on the third season of snowpiercer um so if like a tv show makes it that far they tend to like do a random episode like that so i wonder if that just threw people off because they don't know like sometimes tv shows do that or if they just did not like it <laughs> seemed to be a range but a recurring theme that i saw in the comments was that they felt like it was a waste of time like it moved the plot forward so little and they got so little fresh information from the dream that they just thought they wasted their time with it okay well then it's like maybe being used to now like 10 episodes like packed episodes as opposed to like the longer you know like how we used to have like 15 to 24 episodes and like there was a lot of filler in those seasons oh sure i mean if you consider trying to go back and binge something ambitious like say you really got intensely interested in the Arrowverse right and you're like you know what I'm going to be completely filled out I'm going to go watch everything in the Arrowverse so you're like okay got to start with Arrow then the Flash then Legends of Tomorrow then Super you got to tie all that stuff in Black Lightning all that stuff and those are 24 episode shows for the most part right mm-hmm. yeah that's a lot of goddamn tv to watch <laughs> and and you're gonna tell me like every one of those was a winner like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know. yeah so i guess people are just fed up like they don't want that like no fillers anymore i guess now in the modern times <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i mean it was such a stark contrast to all of the storytelling that we've been experiencing up until now i think some of the commentary that was coming up was well i guess we should also expect a sing-along musical episode <laughs> um uh, not, so not if roche I, is leading uh <laughs> yeah so it was um so i i get it so we will just take like a second to acknowledge like this pain that people were feeling because it makes me feel more validated that maybe my gut like knee-jerk reaction wasn't necessarily like uncalled for because i pivoted because i was like oh inez you're being a bully um (laughs) i was like no no be open you have to be open-minded but 
you know, one of the reasons that I didn't like it was it changes the format in a very unexpected way. And it goes from very science, um, logic heavy to now all of a sudden just very artistic, symbolic. And if you're like somebody like me, like, <laughs> that like I like the consistency, I like like know it's happening. It took me a long time to adjust myself and get comfortable with this. Like I did have to rewind it and start over because I was really upset in the beginning too because I don't think this is uncalled for but that those were just the reasons for me why it wasn't working for me at first but once I embraced it I was like well I guess I'm going for this ride let's just see where it leads and then I started hanging out like it was a Disney ride and I was just watching I didn't even like really take any notes like during that episode because I'm so bad at symbolism <laughs> and <laughs> undertones and all that stuff um, so I was really leaning on you and Kat <laughs> last episode. Bad move for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not my strong suit to, uh, tie those things together. I, I try my best, but I often miss the boat. Lucky for you though, that they moved right back into science land this week, huh? Ooh. Oh my God. It was like, <laughs> it was like breathing air. It was like having the fresh ocean wind on your face. <laughs> as long as it had like, what was it? H2S? <laughs> yeah. 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 Not, not the, not the sofa or whatever they, they had their breathing in. Yeah. Inez and I come from an oil field background. So we've had, we've, we've endured um, a certain level of access to that kind of information, you know, monitors going off and all that. I was like, is that an H2S oh, monitor? Cool. Of some sort a four gas monitor what what's going on there uh let's let's talk about asha because she kind of fulfilled one of my wife caroline's oldest tv prediction <laughs> tools which is if they focus on you then you're probably dying that week or if it's a reality show if they uh dive into your background and tell about your diabetic mom or whatever in that episode then chances are you're going home that, <laughs> that episode yeah and that's what happened with poor asha this week what is it a tv trope as old as time <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly i guess i have a couple of questions about her for you guys when she mentioned that there was more to her story than she told andre and she was it Ruth she was having that conversation with? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you believe we still even have the rest of it now and might not ever get any more? The way it ended, I hope there is a little bit more because it did feel kind of like a, a, a lot to be desired with her character. And I kind of felt like, okay, well, that was a wash. Like, I thought she right. was going to end up being some, you know, either like, sort of like siding with Wilford or, you know, being like, oh, who, why am I on this train? And like, these people are crazy, you know, and like trying to go that route. And like, she just ended up sort of being there. And I was like, huh, I don't know about this. And if that's all that she ends up being sort of like a character they brought on in, in this season to make a sacrifice, like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I know how I feel about it. And it maybe it's is along the lines of what your gut's going. I did feel also like it was yeah. a little bit underwhelming on how they set her up, right? They, they, I felt like they put a lot of effort into making sure that we saw these things about her, right? Her trauma coping mechanisms, right? With the helmet on her head in the dark, smashing that plant in her room. Like it seemed like there was a lot of emphasis and scary music always kind of put together around this. And then she's the center of these big core lie that's driving stuff i would have thought that it would have been something like in a bigger way or something that was tied to like the more core story of what the season's going to instead of this side story of this very specific episode and so i'm really curious to like figure out why they put me through that <laughs> why scary music like this <laughs> Yes. Oh my 
you know what you know what I mean though right like those scenes where like it's just like her breathing really heavy and like throwing really like that helmet really hard like over her head and it's just like this heavy breathing just meant to feel very like ominous and we put a lot of brain power into like what her story would lead up to in a big impactful kind of way and so I uh, was very heartbroken that um, her character passed the way that she did but I also feel like I didn't get what I was marketed (laughs) but maybe that's the point maybe uh, this is supposed to help me like dispel expectations of like past sci-fi drama kind of stuff well, you remember in Lost, sometimes there would be a character that felt like their story ended too quickly and they, they didn't yeah. get to mean as much as they could have. Remember, like, there was, what was that girl's name? Toward yeah, the... there was one that, like, yeah, they came, like, uh, for an episode well, and I was then, thinking, like, they died. Well, I was thinking toward the end, remember there was that group that appeared with, like, Brom and there was a woman and remember she just, like, she just got blown up. <laughs> yeah 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 no yeah there was there was like a few of those and i think it's like you just you either have to go with it yeah i don't know but it did this asha storyline felt like the lost thread that didn't they were like well you're never gonna get the answer to it but you know whatever and like i love lost so much that i'm like okay i guess i'll give right. you that one but it's like uh, the, the smoke monster slamming mr yeah. echo against the ground it's like uh yeah you're like <laughs> you're never gonna know and i'm like oh but this one just felt a little bit because it is so enclosed in the train you feel like each character they are um you know giving time to is really important and like moving the story forward so i guess the question is how did asha support the characters or move anybody forward you know what really was her purpose because when she died i was like well what was the purpose of that besides saving i guess the train but like it just felt unearned in my opinion yeah like her only purpose was to build this lie and then move and then that's it and it just felt like we were being set up for Mm -hmm. something else so that's probably i mean i really liked this episode so before anybody thinks that i'm going to like bash on the rest of this particular episode i do like it but i do feel like asha deserved more yeah yeah me too (laughs) Uh, if if they get to the end of the season to where eden's supposed to be and there's no eden the fact that she's dead gives andre a chance to be like bitch lied (laughs) (laughs) that's true too yeah they're giving andre another out (laughs) well but but seriously though um that would be kind of dramatic because he knows the truth that she did sacrifice herself for the train we we should talk about her motivations for that I think it's that she just was not adjusting and she couldn't feel, she didn't feel like she found a place there. You know, she struggled to find a a niche in how she could contribute. Uh, She enjoyed the gardening, but never really felt like she, she fit. I thought the scenes that they were showing about her finding this place in the train with the gardening was supposed to represent like this kind of healing journey I interpret it as that. Maybe that was naive of me. Like when she says her intro of like, you know, I think it was like her mom, right? Like everything, uh, like the, t- the title of the episode is what, like setting itself right. And, and, and like the the quote she like used was, uh, you know, everything goes wrong because it might be setting itself right. And I feel like she was getting in a groove, finally finding maybe a purpose, like the planting and stuff like that. And she was getting in a groove. And then this whole like, oh, there's like, a, you know, a gas outside that's going to kill us and blah, blah, like another shit hit the fan of again and i think she just kind of in that moment i feel like she just couldn't handle it because everything that she's been through she has not been adjusting and just right when things were getting a little bit better for her she had to deal with that again and i think she was just like done like she was like i can't deal with this anymore and then i feel like maybe that's why it sort of like also ties into the the title of the, the episode with that i feel like that they did give us time to kind of show her like enjoying her last moments that she was on the train before this emergency was really focused on her experience like you know I felt like I could smell those plants I felt like I could touch the dirt you know like the way that she was portraying receiving all of those sensations in those scenes I really appreciated how they filmed those because I felt like I 
could feel that. And I think that's why I took that as like a lot of healing. I, I really appreciated that part. And I'm glad that she was able to get to a place that she could do that because the very first scene that we saw her when she was on Snowpiercer when in her own room, she smashed that plant after she like sniffed it. Remember, she like smashed it or something. And so that's really nice to get to see that she did have to find a purpose, have some emotional healing and be in a good place. And then, you know, she got to experience that again. And that was kind of her last memories instead of this bad trauma that she had been holding on to for many years. But ultimately, it still felt like she could add more than she did. I mean, saving the train, yeah, that's a big sure. deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> but um, the train's always in danger every week, right? There's always going to be a hero for the for the train <laughs> issue. I could have definitely used some more Asha story. When they pulled up that, that grating to uh, go to that crawl space, and Andre's like, I got to take off my suit. I was like, that's like your boot is about as big as that opening. What do you mean you got to take off your suit? How are you going to get your shoulders through that tough guy? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but yeah, you, one of you, both of you, I think, predicted that there would be some train business that they would need to take care of to build the tension between, you know, a couple episodes ago and the end of the season to find out that the suspicions about Mr. Wilford knowingly sending them into this um, volcanic gas cloud was a red herring. It diminishes that tension that... Well, it might have would have added to a multi-episode arc of, well, is he, what, did he, why would he do that? You know, that that kind of thing. But it didn't. It was just a single episode, villain of the week sort of <laughs> train <laughs> train issue. I mean, that, that cloud looked crazy, you know, in terms of like its size and mass and how much space it would have taken up when they were talking about the gas cloud. And he's like, yeah, the scrubbers are fine. It's designed for all that it looked huge. Wouldn't someone have asked like, yeah, but how long, like how, how much volume is it designed mm -hmm. to go through before, or, you know, what concentration? Cause if we can see it, that's why they wear the monitors, the people that work in those environments, because it doesn't take very much of it to kill you. And certainly not so much of it that you can see it in terms of those gases. So if you can see yeah. it, it's gotta be a pretty bad deal. <laughs> yeah. That was a very scary cloud, especially knowing that that was a big H2S <laughs> cloud. Um, and that must have stunk a lot, too, honestly. Like, because doesn't that smell like rotten eggs and all Maybe that in that stuff, concentration. But... Um... <laughs> I mean, I've been to Yellowstone and it fucking stinks like crazy <laughs> at those sulfur pockets. So, um, but yeah, I thought that that was really cool. I was super excited. I was all about it, listening to Wilford talk like all sciencey about like, oh, our designs got we we've taken that into consideration and all this. Like I was like at home, like listening to all of them during this. Very, I probably be relief from not having to do dream interpretations anymore. But I really loved this challenge that they had because I was very curious about like what are they going to share about like the ventilations and how are we going to like solve this. Problem? So I was, I know it's like dangerous, but I couldn't help but be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this problem was here. I must have really hated that dreams like <laughs> episode or something. I'm like weirdly all about this one. If we were keeping closer track and we're, I guess we could, cause we're, you know, the, if you search for Snowpiercer and podcast, we're like the, the top one. So maybe Maybe we are the one people look to for this sort of thing, but they've had a lot of these, well, now the train is different afterwards kind of events as part of the show. Where like, say they lose the cows or they lose the the aquarium or they lose various parts of the train. Well, now to think that the, the various gardens and things that had the gas amongst them are just okay now or that those uh, filters are somehow what they brought a bunch more forever because it looked like they were all pretty torn up it seems like that the train is is gradually wearing out maybe even faster than than we would have guessed when they run into things like this Inez, mostly with your sciencey mind. <laughs> I'm trying not to like hog up all of the talking <laughs> spaces here. So, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm very curious to see what was the last impact. It did look like they were getting this ready to set up to just like, oh, okay, everything's going to go back to normal and good. I did like seeing some of the precautions that other people were doing in preparation for, for stuff, like the pickling going on in the bar. Let's talk about Oz for a second there. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the pickling, he seems to have grabbed onto the, the new Eden uh, with both hands where... LJ is highly skeptical, thinks it's uh, not a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, LJ is pretty perceptive, though. She's called it. Her survival, I guess, meter or whatever, like, survival tactic is, like, on point. Even though, like, the way she goes about things is not, like, I don't really, I don't like her as a character. But, like, I have to say, she was, like, she called, you know, she knows. Like, she has, like, a spidey sense for that kind of bullshit, I guess. Because she, she does it, too, you know? <laughs> And she's also okay with having Dr. Mrs. McCreep, you know, peel fruit roll-ups off of her. I know. What the I know. Fuck? That was so weird. And she was like, I want to watch or whatever. Like, she was like, no. Jesus like, She wanted Christ. to see it. Like, oh. I mean, in all yeah. honesty, though, I probably would have wanted to watch too. Like, I'm, I'm the patient. <laughs> I'm the patient that goes into the office and they are like, do you want to see this or not? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I want to take a chance to look at a camera that's like inside my bladder. Like, why not? Like, I'll never be able to see inside my bladder. This is my one time to get to do that. So, and then every time I get vaccinated, like, I need to look at the needle as it's coming in my arm. Like, I can't not look at it. So, I think that I, I don't necessarily judge her for that, but that was really, I was just so intrigued. Like, what the fuck is that doctor up to? And, like, why? Like, LJ didn't ask any questions. She was just yeah. like, all right, I'm down. Well, I, I, I feel like she thinks, like, well, if this is going to help in making me maybe like, LJ Ice Queen or something. She was down for it, and she at looked this like point, she like, was. She looked like she was like it. getting ready to <laughs> like have an orgasm or something. Uh, like she's yeah. like smiling, like so yeah. big, looking up, and I was like, "What? The, he's fucking psycho." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she is, I believe, a, a sadist. <laughs> is, but Kat's right. Like, her survival instincts are definitely, like, her top tool that she uses. That even with limited information, she's still kind of nailing it. And she's just she's just continuously yeah. showing that she's going to do yeah. what she needs to do. She's on par with uh, Zara. Like, they both have that extra sense of, like, hey, something's not right here. And, like, I need to... And, and they're also able to figure things out. Like, I guess because they think that way, too. I think they're, you know, like, they have, like, a mega survival instinct or something. With that donation, we'll call it, Dr. Headwood indicated that she would be let in on what she was making her donation to, but that did not appear on camera. All we saw was that she took that flap of skin, which I think was going to be a skin graft, to someone whose arm we saw. Now, who's unaccounted for that would be needing a skin graft? Man, I have no idea. I have no idea. Steven said, I see Bob, that maybe he's just been alive this whole time. <laughs> we didn't know. But I genuinely have zero clue. I'm, I'm just going to listen to you guys. My only thought was either Bob or somehow she's like Frankenstein or husband. <laughs> that, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that came up in my head for a second, but I just, I just don't know what kind of technology. That, I feel like if that technology existed, then Wilford might have used it on Kevin since he loves Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> why waste it on yeah. Kevin? Christ. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's this little bitch. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good, that's, I thought maybe for a second it would be Kevin, but the way she was really like taking care, like, I feel like it's someone close to her, not like she didn't have that kind of uh, other glint of like, oh, I'm just doing this experiment on, on anybody. Like, I feel like she is excited about this resurrection. So I feel like it also has to be something close to her, unless she just gets giddy about any of the. Well, she the might. Stuff. Yeah. She, she might. I mean, yeah, she, it wouldn't she, put it past her. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't give her the McCreep title. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. For nothing. For uh, nothing. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, the way that, remember LJ touched the shoes and she wigged out about the shoes. So the way that she's keeping the shoes from her husband, that could be just a, a regular old um, keepsake. For some reason, it reminds me of the log lady from Twin Peaks. I, don't, I bet you guys never watched Twin Peaks, but there was a lady who just carried around a log and they call, <laughs> <laughs> they called her the log lady. Uh, the, the difference was that the log lady, um, her log told her things that only she could hear. We didn't hear it like on camera. But even the funny part about that was that if the log told her something that you needed to know, she'd call you and be like, my log told me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh. Yeah, this one is definitely opposite because it's secret. So, yeah, <laughs> right. My Frankenstein told me. <laughs> so that maybe I was—I was thinking, well, she's hanging on to the shoes because in a situation like this, you'd think that maybe something like that would need to be recycled to another person in need of big honker leather shoes like that. You know, um, limited resources. But if she's hanging on to them. But he died right. of the flu. Like he didn't right. die of like a skin grafting need. That's unless. true. That's true. But and if they're big, and if they're big boots, then maybe that is icy Bob. Also true. They they, they look pretty yeah. big, but she's not very big. So maybe it's like yeah, a scale yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or it could be one of the other ones. Uh, was it like um, the one of Layden, the big boy, or was he? Oh, strong, strong boy? boy. Strong boy. Yeah. But I don't. I forgot how he died. He died with the uh, the uh, what was it called? That lung of ice. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. He was probably dead. Dead. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty exciting though to see like who it is. I like that they're still throwing in like they've peppered along the whole series these like icy experiments and we haven't really seen them come to fruition as much like we've seen Josie we've seen obviously the baby and uh you know the baby has something we don't we're not going to know that until like a while and so I don't know it's fun to kind of see these um I wish they would lean a little bit more into these icy experiments but maybe they are uh as we like kind of come to a head of like if they're going to get off the train or not yeah there was a couple of people online that are not still not convinced that Pike actually died even though i do genuinely believe that he's gone yeah. but that could also be a possibility that i'll just throw out there for them Ooh, that's not that's yeah. not an inez thing but <laughs> unless it's right then i'll pretend that i got credit for that well i would like for that one to be right <laughs> you mentioned josie she wasn't in this episode at all and every couple episodes we oh, see her she's yeah. she, she's kind of pieced back together a little bit more yeah, that could be true. Like she could be, I mean, we, we, we've called her like the new icy Josie, like icy Bob, but like, yeah, maybe she's starting to become even more, um, like icy Bob, but like better, like a 2.0, sort of like the Terminator 2, you know, <laughs> the T2. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe. Cause I don't, I just, I have notes for just about everybody and I just now noticed we didn't see her. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You mentioned uh, icy experiments, so we might as well go to Zara then. What was the meeting with Mr. Wilford, bringing the baby to see Mr. Wilford? What did you get out of that? Because aside from just a chance to see Sean Bean do his thing, which I'm always game for, what were we supposed to get out of that? Just sort of those little hints that we got about their arrangement and Mr. Wilford prodding for information, that kind of stuff, or, or something else? Okay, so first of all, loved the scenes with Wilford. I'm so happy to see it back. They were all good, right? I wrote down, he's back! <laughs> I was so happy. Like, just that sass. I missed it. I needed it. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry for anything I ever said mean about Wilford, maybe. I don't know. I just was really grateful to have him back the way he is. I feel like the scenes with Zara might have been more about showing us what his motives are. She wants to know, why is it that you really do want to help us find Melanie or whatever? And he says, I'm, he says stuff like, he said it very subtly, almost sexy. Um, <laughs> said he's like, I'm just like, I, what I'm doing is like providing facts. I have yeah. proof of life. And I was like, fuck yeah, you do, Wilford. <laughs> no, no, didn't, no, but didn't he say, I don't have proof of life? I feel, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't have subtitles, right? But I'm so, yeah, I'm just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking whatever honey's coming out of his mouth. I'm taking it. So, but, but basically to me, it was like, he somehow has an intuition about like, like if I, I have information, factual information that puts together a 
story. I thought that he said that it was like proof of life because it was like an active signal that by science, only somebody alive and alert and cognizant could have been able to send out those kinds of signals. It's not something that would have happened accidentally or by old infrastructure and things like that. It was something I, I took it as it had to be very much a human intervention to have provided those signal and then the signal if it's moved. And so I thought that that might have been why he said that he did have proof of life. He didn't know uh. that it was Melanie's life, but he had proof that life was happening out there and it was with this signal source. Okay, yeah, because I, I thought I heard him say, I need to watch it again, but I thought, him, I thought I heard him say, oh, I just provided some facts. Like there is a signal. It could be Melanie because, you know, that's where we left her or whatever. And then you guys basically like in his Wilfordness, he is just like, well, if there's a like what, what he told uh, Layden, like if there is a chance, you know, there is no way that you can say no to possibly going off and like looking for her if there is like a slight chance. So I thought he said, I just provided you this and you guys are doing whatever you want. You know, like I'm not doing anything but like he obviously is like playing the game regardless and I don't know I think I really liked the Zara Wilford interaction because I feel like Layden's really emotional around him because he just sparks so many you know like obviously they are both opposing leaders but with her she just like is able to talk to Wilford in a way that I think they both understand each other because she's someone who um you know she obviously played game with him with the baby and like so she he knows that she's game to if it's like in her interest in some way that's why she was able to like call him out and be like I know what you're doing and she figured it out and like you know the other people haven't because she kind of knows him in that way because i feel like she also thinks in those terms right survival well that's that's uh goes back to what he said why he was helping and why i would believe the things that he's saying is is that they are measures of self-preservation you know, trying to get the train in the best place because he's going there anyway, <laughs> right? So he might as well do what he can to make sure that he gets there. And that, that was his argument, the whole this whole episode anyway, how true it is. And especially um, the idea of who accused him of bringing back Melanie just to throw a disruption in the leadership. Yeah, I mean, I really like, I think he said like new, something like New Eden is a terrible idea unless Melanie is present. We all know I have like a major hero crush on Melanie. So <laughs> Wilford saying this, I'm like, yes, yes, this is all the, uh, all the things opposite of what I have right now between facts and Melanie. Um, I, I am on board. I'm now team Wilford. Uh, could you believe it? Could you believe it? Deep down, like no matter the stuff that he's had with Melanie, he knows she's the best engineer. And the number one thing for him, regardless of all the other shit that he loves to like mess with people is he also has like the most, like also a very survival instinct for him is very strong. Obviously he built the train for that reason. So I feel like that is like, he is the winner in that category. Yeah, yeah, right? he, he is the winner. So like, and, and then like the rest is, I think just a bonus for him. But I think above all that, like he values intelligence and being able to figure out everything. And like, no one can match him besides Melanie and maybe now Alex as she gets older. So, um, and more experience with that. But like, I don't know. It is interesting. Like the questions they were posing, like, why would you like out of all people want Melanie back? So maybe he, like, he does think like, I need her back to either have a fellow intellectual because I'm bored or like she's the one that's actually going to save us because like you guys are not doing it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> here's my Mr. Wilford sound. Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Wilford, it is curious to see what he's going to do in the next couple of episodes. I mean, I just love that it still is ultimately a jab at Leighton. We may not have gotten as many of his direct insults that he gives to Leighton like all the time since the beginning, but this whole Melanie prodding is as much of a exciting task and a, a hypothesis for him as it is also an opportunity to do what he loves, which is to make himself greater than Leighton to Leighton's face. Here's Mr. Wilford's Leighton sound effect. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48. 
<laughs> that totally is a Wilford vibe to Leighton, no doubt. I really feel like he does look at like everybody like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably true. If he if he's been the smartest guy in the room his whole life, and then eventually got to be like the richest guy in the room too, that's a dangerous combo for being able to ever relate to anybody ever again. Although I did like that he is like back in form, I guess, in some ways, which was fun to see. But it was nice when he was like, oh, I wouldn't do that to Alex. You know, like, yeah. That seemed like, like a like, genuine moment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sweet. Like, yeah. Like, he, I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I love seeing you back in form. And then you were like, no, like, I'm a lot of things, but like, don't accuse me of that. You know? <laughs> Like that was yeah, cute. Like a like a little glimpse into like an authentic like happiness of his. Yes, yeah. So the swagger is kind of back, but I'm wondering if maybe his game, if he has a game, is one of those you'll come crawling back eventually sort of long games, right? Mm. Where he's confident that just being just sticking around will be enough for him to get what he wants back because um it's there going are, to shit <laughs> right there are only certain there are certain problems that only he can solve right when things yeah. do go to shit <laughs> then then they will need him like they did this yeah. week so he's like playing a different kind of game because I think in the first, uh, like in season two, is more like head to head. I'm just going to beat you with pure, you know, whatever, like strength sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work. And so it's like this new approach, which can be effective because like it's sort of like they're just caving from like Layden is basically caving himself, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like just let that like he, he can use less effort and just wait for it to like shit hit the fan. And then he <laughs> and then he will like, well, who's the next engineer? And even like Ben would be able to argue that you know like he'd be like well wilford's actually you know pretty good and alex too like they both know like engineers are hard to come by like he's obviously you know a a brilliant mind so they would um have to take him back do you think also that poses i just thought of the question of like do you think then that he pushed audrey away on purpose like, do you think that was an act of like, you know, him being down and like, so if he's playing this long game, like, how can we not question whether that whole like being down and Wilford like not being himself? I mean, obviously there was a little bit of like suspension thing that I think is true, but like, how do we know when it stopped and like when he started becoming Wilford again? And so is there a reason why he pushed Audrey away or do you think it was because in that moment he was at his lowest and like kind of couldn't be Wilford? If I'm just looking at the consistency of his character, I'm going to infer that he didn't push Audrey away. I don't think that he was in any kind of condition to have like knowingly done that. I think that that was definitely her choice to step away because he wasn't the person that she needed to feel safe in her space. That's my guess on this. I felt like that scene of him being really weak and vulnerable was an authentic view of somebody like of him being very weak and vulnerable. And he only would have really shown that much like vulnerability to Audrey, like intentionally. Yeah, I agree that that was a genuine moment that she just visited him too quickly on his road to recovery. If she saw him like this. Oh yeah. She would have been all up on that in a second. She'd be conjugal visit number two. (laughs) Exactly. Where, Audrey figures in to their future on the train with Mr. Wilford because eventually she will see him and he'll be himself, but she will have started this new version of herself. This stuff with Till, what are we getting out of that? Is there a sexual component here that I'm supposed to be getting or is this just Till is just feeling somewhat claustrophobic in her uh, quarters with Audrey. Audrey's confronting her with the idea of leaning on alcohol and, and Audrey herself has gotten past her crutch of alcohol. And they're just having a very, very hard conversation for whatever reason in this stressful time of being confined to quarters during the during the gas cloud. It seemed like a lot was going on in this episode and, and especially with, uh, with Till there. What do, you, what do you guys think of all that? Oh, man. Well, on the Facebook groups, I had seen somebody post like a picture that was of Bess and Till um, embracing in a loving kiss. My read was friendship myself. 
that's why I'm asking you guys, am I supposed to be getting something more out of that? Cause my gaydar might be broken, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think it is like that. I honestly, I'm don't have a gaydar. I'm very bad at like reading like those kinds of situations. So I also interpreted Bess and Till's dynamic in this room as to be friendship up until Roche gives little words like break up this date. And then they have Till say, oh, no, this is not a date. And so sort of nervous, to me, right? that, that's like my like eye rolling, like they're trying to introduce a romantic relationship here kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I when, when I hear that. So that's how I interpret it, that potentially they're trying to set this up to eventually be that and then after i had seen this episode um of course like the audience on the facebook group haven't seen this episode yet but somebody had gotten a screenshot maybe it was from a trailer that showed them in a romantic kiss so yeah so then at that point the dynamic is like the conversation shifts to like what will wilford think about this but anyway so that scene i think is intentional to set us up for romanticism later on that's my guess romanticism she says okay yeah. all right so not a uh, maybe i mischaracterized it as a sexual component earlier because that puts a totally different spin on it than what could be um, well no i i got i was getting some of those vibes i was like oh is this gonna be bess and audrey getting together and like you know obviously best like in a very like vulnerable moment and then i like that they didn't do anything because you know then it would feel a little bit like cheap because obviously like till is in a very vulnerable position but i did get a little bit of those vibes but then also like i could interpret it too as just audrey being there for her because they like they have from the very beginning they have history Mm -hmm. so um it could just be like you know, and she also kind of told Till, like, you know, like not the fun conversations of like, but I think necessary of like when friends tell each other, like the real deal of like, hey, you've been drinking a lot. Like, like, yeah. uh, just want to let you know, you know, because like who else is going to tell you besides like hopefully your close friends, even though it's not an easy thing to say, although Audrey has been through some shite like lately that's not necessarily like, but like i glad that i'm glad that she made that comment before like i'm not one to talk you know because obviously everything that's happened with wilford but she was also trying to be helpful and be like hey like i have noticed that you are like turning to booze for you know like coping and so she wanted to help her i felt like that was genuine yeah. but they did kind of leave it a little bit ambiguous to maybe if something happens down the road and then i i will say like the tail sign of like you guys bringing up the like when uh, Roche says like oh break up the stage she's like no, no, no like that's like a telltale sign of like if you're nervous about it like i don't know i feel like maybe it means more to till than audrey or like i don't know it's a little ambiguous yeah. for me so i can't say for sure I think that fundamentally they have graduated their dynamic to a genuine friendship. You know, they both have now shown that they can hold each other accountable and they both have shown that they will take steps on course correcting based off of trusting the other person's perspective or or guidance on that. So that's like a foundation of an authentic friendship when you have that kind of a a blind trust within each other. But I feel like these writers... When they start to write romantic scenes for Snowpiercer, like it's like a bunch of like sciencey nerdy dudes who do really great on the science and nerdy stuff. And I say dudes and dudettes. So my apologies for being sexist. I met with the writers who might like really be into special interest into the sciencey stuff of it. They're the ones who are also going back and writing these little like romantic hints. And to me, those feel so like rom-com. <laughs> they just feel like so out of place and yeah like really like more immature than for like the characters that i like see for instance right like we i think like the whole leighton josie dynamic i complained in the first episode i'm like why are they acting like they're in high school like a high school awkward romance when they're like full-ass adults in the apocalypse like why are we being apologetic and weird at this time in our lives and i feel like (laughs) that's kind of like how they did this but i really liked the details that they incorporated into the storytelling here like Audrey exclusively calling Till Bess. So that was like mm-hmm. really nice to hear Bess be Bess and not Till the um, yeah. latent right-hand person. Those kind of details were nice for me to see the graduation in their dynamic. But I do think yeah. they're on their way to romance. 
or also like Audrey is a very like sensual person. So like, I feel like any interaction she has, like if she tries to put on her, you know, her thing can be <laughs> interpreted in that way. So I could see this like from one angle of being like, she's just being herself and that's the way you can pull in. And, you know, Till was like drunk. So like, of course you get a little bit like more loosey goosey and, but it did feel, I have to like, just my gut feeling there was a tinge of a little bit like something more, or they could like cut it and it could just be like a genuine friendship because they've been through some, a lot of stuff together. I would have liked to have seen some of those regrets and doubts and misgivings about her prior life seasoned throughout the rest of the episodes this season. A little here, a little there, because I've commented pretty much every episode this season that Till has been a, a very good order follower, order taker on the train, but they haven't developed her all that much in terms of like what's going on in her head. How do we know? She's just following orders and doing a good job, but that's about it. But in this episode, we learned that she's been struggling with reconciling who she was and who she wants to be. Who knew? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. Like they could have used part of the dream time to like do this, right? Like there, I also feel similarly, Paul, like I was like, this is interesting stuff. Like why, <laughs> why are we just like sprinting through this? Like this is definitely, I had... Um, I, you know, I mean, it, it does make it interesting watching it and then going back in my mind, replaying those episodes and seeing that she does drink a lot and mm. that hasn't been hidden. Like, it's not like she's, su I'm surprised to see her drinking right now, but yeah, I would have liked to have known her context because we really all really like Till. I'm going to call her best now. Okay. I'm going to like from yeah. now on for the rest of this, she's best now because Leighton calls her Till. <laughs> So. Although I think in some ways, though, it is a little bit true to life in the sense of those instances where, like, obviously there's a lot going on with the train and she has kept it together for the good of the train, for Leighton, everything that's going on. And, like, while it does feel a little bit weird that we're just, like, seeing her kind of um, have this moment of, like, oh, actually, I can't handle it all. I mean, I think we've all been there where you're, like, you keep it together, keep it together. You're, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm there. You're, like, solid. And then all of us sudden you kind of like just like fuck like I can't, really can't keep it together I'm overwhelmed and so I guess maybe that's my leeway of like giving the writers a little bit of room to be like well yeah it makes sense that from like a human standpoint someone can seem like they have it all together and then all of a sudden you're like whoa like there was all these emotions that we did not see coming because there was like not a lot of clues but there was some clues like with the drinking and stuff but you don't think anything of it because you're not really paying attention and we know Layden is not really paying attention to you know the folks <laughs> behind him besides whatever the problem is in front or you know like mm -hmm. his kid and stuff like that so I feel like in that sense it does make a whole lot yeah. of sense that we um, have not seen her with these like kind of breaks but in terms of tv thing it can seem like it's out of nowhere but i'm like from a yeah, human standpoint right, it does Kat. seem pretty yeah. like on point <laughs> yeah you know what okay you're right i'm going to take that back i i agree with you i think that is how it like it genuinely happens we do probably did just do want it because it is like an interesting part but this when we don't take care of the people uh, around us and i think it highlights you know latent's failure as a leader a little bit more that nobody has really noticed that something's wrong with Bess or that she's got something going on except for Audrey who was you know the arch enemy a second ago so yeah okay all right I, I can go with this all right <laughs> <laughs> all right you convinced her Kat yay yay I mean I'm not trying to convince anybody I feel like I'm just trying to get the writer's perspective but I feel like sometimes it does make sense in real life, but it sometimes doesn't always translate to TV because you're like, wait, like that person was like one thing this episode ago and you forget that like time has passed, but like it doesn't make sense on like episode to episode. So I can understand that too of like, I felt a little bit like this is weird. But then if you like really have to think about it, you're like, oh, it makes sense from like a, you know, human standpoint of emotions or whatever. But it is a lot of like leap of faith to for like them to think that the audience has to think that way too. <laughs> sure. Well, let's see. I have a few characters left to talk about. Strangely, some of our big characters, I don't have actual question marks about what they did, why they did it or anything like that. So like Ruth, for instance, 
maybe the big question mark was if she had alluded to the idea of hospitality the way that she had been doing it before being less of a good fit for her, then why was she doing such a darn good job <laughs> in this episode? Because she was very supportive of both Asha and Andre. I don't know. She was didn't cause me any big fat questions about what she was doing. She was just doing her job really well. I mean, Melanie is her friend and she probably just really wants this to work out and be good. So like her core strengths and her purpose on the train at the moment is this. And she consistently has her loyalty. Quite obvious that it is to the train. Maybe it's just excitement. Well, that excitement yeah. is is tempered, such as with Alex in that very heart-rending scene at the end there where they're having to talk about the likelihood of what they're going to find when they track down this other vehicle. Kat and I have been joking around ever since uh, the beginning of the podcast, like how many of these darn vehicles can they find <laughs> running around? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the ice copter or whatever. And yeah, now they found like a, a track cleaner, I guess, is what it's supposed to do. Is that what it does? <laughs> I don't even remember. I think I remember them saying a maintenance car and it was the size of a closet. Yeah, like it's mostly yeah, yeah. mostly engine is what I would imagine it to be with just a small... Yeah, like no storage for yeah. food and housing and stuff like that. Just yeah, like a, right. a, like a workspace. Like she could not like... Yeah, they basically said, like, there's no chance that she could survive for very long. But, of course, we're probably going to see that she has. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe Alex is just, it's just for Alex to protect her feelings, maybe. Yeah, you know? like she yeah. Has I to think see, so. She just needs to go so she could see the body, so she can let it go, just like as she had to do with her friend. And this would finally close this chapter of like constantly wondering if she is she out there and then this back and forth battle that she's always having accepting her mom is dead being upset that her mom left too soon accepting that her mom is dead again referencing her mom when she's in thinking mode and stuff like i mean like there's a lot that she still has that's distracting her because she doesn't have this like definitive closure maybe that's what she's looking for it's it was really sad now I have yeah. I have every screener available to me just like you guys, but I have not watched Beyond, even though Good. the thumbnail is very <laughs> suggestive in the next episode. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. I, I was sad that I saw that though, because <laughs> like I have been bad maybe like previously of like watching ahead, but like I was like, you know, I haven't been watching ahead at all, like probably the last two seasons. So I was just like, ah and then like when Inez kind of gave it away when she was like, I saw this. I was like, it's been it was so hard to not press play. And I was like, oh God, like what is happening? And then and then like it ended this episode ended. I was like, oh I understand like after this we record, I was like, I definitely want to go for this play. I know what you mean. But I, uh, while I want you guys to hurry were... up and get this recording done with so that I can get back. <laughs> while you guys were talking about the likelihood of surviving in the uh, maintenance vehicle, it made me wonder if maybe, just maybe, Melanie's pretty smart. And perhaps she knew that she could get this vehicle running in a fashion that would catch Snowpiercer's attention. But she ain't on it. She just left instructions in it where to find her. Oh. That makes sense? Oh, I think that's yeah, totally yeah. possible. Sort of like a ship in a bottle, or not a ship in a bottle, message in a bottle sort of sort of strategy. Yeah. Yes, yes. But then, again, agrees. like, why... Well, I mean, maybe they only gave us half of the going away speech or whatever, or we're going to interpret it differently than, like, the note she left, right? Because mm -hmm. that seemed sort of like, hey, we're not... But I mean, that could also make sense that like she was going to go probably do this crazy mission. Like she probably found an opening, but was not 100% sure. So she, she was like, well, just in case I don't make it, I'll leave this for Alex so she can have some closure. So I guess that can be the leeway if she does come back and be like, well, well what happened to this sort of like last note that you left? You know, <laughs> But that would make more sense because like, she would probably do that for Alex's sake um, instead of like having nothing and then, you know... And then maybe on the chance that she is able to survive and find this other thing. But I just find it weird that she wouldn't say anything at all. Like in the note, like, I'm going to go try to do this, no, blah, blah. Or maybe is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes sense too. 
like she's winging it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely an environment where seconds matter, you know. So winging it might be the best you can do because if you take too long making a decision, planning something, doing something the way you'd prefer to do it, because uh, you could take longer you're dying because it takes that much energy out of your suit or whatever you're wearing, or it's already run out of heat or whatever the case may be. So winging it might be the best she can hope for. I have three more characters. One of them is Andre, but again, um, he performed kind of what he was supposed to do. The only interesting thing that I have on here though, is that he confirmed the tree was just something that he saw out of the corner of his eye on a calendar in Asha's uh, hidey hole, thus <laughs> kind of ruining his, his, his whole high priest uh, vision quest that he had worked out for himself. Did you guys get anything more from Andre's uh, adventures on the train? No, I think, I think for him, it's kind of just like, he's one of the ones that was just kind of um, nothing too new, just yeah. sort of like, boiling yeah like i think it was more of like the some of the other characters that we've already discussed more of that episode <laughs> their episode mm. than his interestingly javi and sykes are still engaged in trying to get through they weren't even doing um strictly maintenance things anymore they were doing exposure therapy with jupiter the killer dog and i found that really sweet and uh nice to see that sykes who is someone that i could have written off based on you know where she came from or whatever and um she's actually seems to have taken some active interest in seeing javi get better so really enjoyed that but i thought the sweetest section of the show came with roche and carly yes yes being yeah. about the best expert dad i've seen on tv in a while <laughs> Some of that felt almost ad-libbed, just the way that it was so natural, the way that it flowed between the two of them, uh, you know, accusing her farts as being uh, distracting <laughs> for him. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. As someone who recently, I'm only going to bring it up because of the farts, but like our dog Rex has like been like, uh, he'll sit between us when we're watching TV and then we smell a really bad smelly toot. <laughs> like, I will say that will wake you up, you know? <laughs> keeps you keeps you going so i was like i relate to that uh roche <laughs> yeah that was such a sweet scene i loved it so freaking much i thought that the scene the dance party scene was just so freaking cute i also caught on on that kind of stuff paul maybe it's because you know we're both parents and that's the kind of stuff that like i do talk about with my husband when i'm talking like fondly about funny silly moments in our day or things that like made us all laugh and happy and it usually includes anya being intentional like on scooching her butt over to me and like farting on me <laughs> and she yeah. just like thinks it's the funniest thing and so when i'm decompressing and talking about that stuff with steven later like those are like the moments that i do so i loved the descriptions of what he was saying i thought that was very authentic of that. And I think also what I enjoyed about this scene was kind of just showing us things that we can do in our time. I feel like we kind of get caught up all the time with like needing to have some kind of job at all moments and having a scene that felt like we're all in quarantine, right? Like in the train, they're all quarantined to their shelters and people were losing their minds and didn't know what to do while they were in their room. And I like that they gave us the scene of just two people like Roche is not a captain of anything anymore. He's just the dad um, hanging out with his daughter. And this is the kind of stuff that can naturally like happen. Like I have dance parties all the time with my husband. Um, sometimes it's just me and him. Um, sometimes it's all three of us and we'll just dance or be goofy or sing karaoke at the house, like on our own with no audience, no special like environments. And I think that I really loved seeing a representation on film on the show that gives us this option that maybe isn't like normalized the dance scene for me it, it reminded me of the dance scene from the deathly hollows with uh harry oh, and yes. hermione yes and yeah. how that has sort of um an unscripted feel to it where you have actors that genuinely seem to like each other so when you see like the smiles and the silliness and the 
unplanned sort of like, I'll lift you up or I'll dip you or whatever goes on whenever <laughs> those things are, are done, that there is a, a lot of silliness and, and actual, you know, good feelings happening on set that day that comes across in their, in their performance. And just like it did in, in that scene in the Deathly Hollows where it's a pretty bad day, right? <laughs> they've, been, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've been stuck with the Horcrux forever. Ron's run away f- from yeah. them. And, and oh. but that scene is something that they put together because they needed a little tent pole of emotion right there because it was getting too sad and so they did and it and it did fit right then just like it mm-hmm. did here so yeah i just i liked seeing that and it felt genuine i don't know if those two actors know each other outside of work but it seemed like they had a great connection that day yeah it was really nice it was just like also like a parent trying to cheer up their kid in the worst of circumstances and really having to be the anchor when he went through his very low moment just previously and like was realizing exactly. like, Oh, like yeah. I need to be here, you know, and be here for her. Cause that's the most important part. So yeah, it was really nice. All right. So it's time for predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Given what I've seen on that thumbnail and we had kind of sort of predicted that we might get an episode where we just go see what Melanie's been up to since we lost track of her. I kind of think we might see some of that in the next couple of episodes and that we would then meet up with her. That's my guess. I promise I've seen nothing, but that is just (laughs) my guess is that we'll go away from Snowpiercer. We'll see what Melanie's been up to and then meet up later. Yeah, well, we had one of those episodes with Melanie. So while I would, I really do want that to happen. I hope it's not a full on because I feel like it would kind of repeat like the last season where she had her own episode and then like kind of, you know, mm, it just yeah, went off. that that would sort of so, be an, an echo, yeah, of that, wouldn't it? So I feel I hope that it's more of a miss, uh, like a mishmash of, like we see what she's up to, which I would love, but also maybe still keep it with the current Snowpiercer, or at least have the flashback of like, oh, from where we left her, maybe like the intro would be like where we left her and like where she went off to, and then like the episode would be like either seeing a little bit of what she's doing and like go back to Snowpiercer or whatnot, or or maybe it's just going to be sort of like you know when we figured out like Game of Thrones was like episode nine was like where people die um and then like maybe like we'll figure out like there's always going to be like this melanie episode um where she goes off and you know does her thing but i don't know i just feel like because of the previous solo melanie episode maybe they won't repeat it but possibly they could so that's my prediction of like maybe a mishmash of current snowpiercer or the old snowpiercer and like what her thought process was when she left that note and then like where she's been I like what Kat's saying. I'm on that train here. (laughs) I would love to see a solo Melanie episode about how the fuck she survived the past seven months. Because I just know that by seeing that, I'm going to be graced with all kinds of science-y reasons of why it happened. And it'll be a cup of like fresh water after being dragged <laughs> through Layton's desert of visions <laughs> like right. this whole time so it'll be really refreshing to get to see that I'm okay with that I mean we haven't fucking seen her she's the best character in my opinion she's my favorite character I enjoyed her as the vision before but I think that they've teased us long enough and that's all I want I just really want to see her <laughs> next episode and I want her to stay I don't want this to be like a Obi-Wan Kenobi like video on an R2-D2 where she's like <laughs> recorded her very last like live like video and it's like this is where I was and I actually am gonna die this time like I don't want any of that <laughs> oh yeah no I haven't even thought about that I hope that's not like I would be done I'd be like well I, I can't be done because we're recording this episode and we have a season four but like yeah I would be like oh you know like no way but i don't think they're gonna do that like i also think like maybe there is something because i feel like i saw something with jennifer connelly and i think maybe this was during covid that maybe it worked out where like or maybe this was a plan all along i don't know but like that's why she wasn't in like the majority of the season and maybe she's come back because of that or like if this was the plan all along for her to be out and then like come back later so I'm curious about that too, but um, I mean, we won't know that until probably later when writers talk about it. (laughs) Right, right. 
Well, I think that does it for this week's episode, guys. We ran a little longer than usual, but there was a ton that happened to kind of make up for last week's lack of stuff happening. <laughs> if you like this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. A high rating, the highest you can give would be helpful and help other people find the podcast. Hey, Kat, if people wanted to find you, not during South by Southwest, because you'll have thrown your phone into the mud and stopped yes. on it, um, <laughs> but, but after that, how would they get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Things Cat Loves. Things Cat Loves. Like working for her boss at South by Southwest. Definitely one of the things she loves. <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> and Inez, if people wanted to commiserate about the excellence of Melanie and Ruth and the <laughs> shittiness of reactive macho leadership. <laughs> no, we don't need it. We don't need to talk about him. But so we're going to just uh, commit ourselves for this next week on praising almighty Melanie and Ruth. You can find me on Twitter at Neasy Thinks. And then also probably on any of the Facebook Snowpiercer related groups. I'm very engaged in all of that commentary and conversations. I really enjoy chatting. So you can find me there. Dixon. I just edited that. Dixon. Dixon. <laughs> That's so yes. funny. Ines Ophelia Vivar Dixon. That's her. The one, the only. Thanks for joining me again this week, guys. We're almost to the end of this season, and uh, it's shaping up to be exciting. Thanks for having me. Yay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.